0: Well, I trust that everyone here has taken biology. I believe that it is a requirement in school. Even uh, our youngest here uh, has probably done some work in science and biology and study of life. Um, We're going to have a little bit of a biology lesson today. And, of course, it comes from the Greek, uh, the study of life, bios being life. But I want us to not just think about uh, earthly life or you know biology that you would get in school but Christian life the Christian life that's what we're concerned about today Paul was concerned about the Christian life of the of the church in Thessalonica he was he was worried that that life had been snuffed out by the opposition and he's encouraged that he finds out that there is a, a living breathing church there And that's exactly how the Bible describes the church, as a living, breathing being. So there's a bit of a biology lesson to be had here today. And and I want you to uh, grasp three things from these three verses. And and I don't know if I'm going to get to all three today. Uh, We'll see how it goes. Uh, But the three things that I'll be looking at maybe today and maybe on into next week is, first of all, the source of the Christian life, we're going to see that here, we're going to see the provision of the Christian life. And thirdly, we're going to see the uh, manifestation of the Christian life. So the source, the provision, and the manifestation. I may not get past the source today, but that's all right, because if you get the source, you got the rest. It's good. All right, well, let's look, first of all, at the source of the Christian life. Now, you see here in verse 1, Paul describes the recipients of this letter as the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when you read any of Paul's letters, it's tempting to read past the salutation, uh, the very first few verses there and get on into the meat of the letter, but there's a lot here. There's something very important being said when Paul talks about the church In God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When he says in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and describes the church in that way, he means this, that the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the source of the Christian life. That's what Paul is implying when he says that you're the church of the Thessalonians that is in the God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he mentions the Holy Spirit in verse 5 and talks about the spiritual life coming to them through the work and the operation of the Holy Spirit. So all three persons of the Trinity are involved and the church is united to Christ. If we were talking theologically, we would be talking about the doctrine of union with Christ. Uh, The cornerstone doctrine of the Christian faith by faith. We are united to him. It's a vital organic Relationship see those are biological terms. We're talking about we're talking about vitality life. We're talking about Organisms and organic and living things the church is a living thing People often think of a church as the church building. We have a beautiful church building, but that's not the church The church is the people the church is God's people That's what the church is. And the the scriptures talk about the church being a body. Paul uses that metaphor in 1 Corinthians, for example, about the church being the body of Christ. It's a living, breathing organism. And there's no spiritual life in you as an individual or in the church unless the source of it is God, the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Spiritual life does not come from within yourself. Spiritual life comes from being in the Lord. Now, Jesus explained this best. He used a wonderful metaphor in uh, John 15. You'll remember that Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So you see here, Jesus is talking about a vine and the branches. Later on, or in another letter of Paul's, he talks about us being grafted in, especially Gentiles being grafted into that root. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with grafting trees. Uh, I remember when I was in the eighth grade, I took a shop class from the ag teacher in our uh, in our high school, junior high, high school. It all met together, and I remember he taught us about uh, grafting trees. You either take a bud or a twig or a branch from uh, one tree, and you can slice the bark of, an, of uh, the root uh, of another tree, and you can plug that bud or that twig in, and it will, it will magically start to grow and become part of that tree. And I was reading up on this because uh, I was just thinking about it, and they actually do this mostly with fruit trees, and uh, any citrus tree has probably been grafted in some way. And you can actually grow apples and pears on the same tree. They have uh, apple trees that they call four-in-one. There's four different varieties of apples growing on one tree. They've just grafted different ones into the base. It's amazing. Paul Tripp tells of a story uh, about his uh, illustrating a point. Um, he uh, He says his wife told him one day, this is a made-up story, so it's not true. It didn't actually happen. But it says, you know, that apple tree in our backyard is not producing fruit. The, the fruit is terrible. It's all mealy, and it's rotten, and, you know, we have got to do something about that tree. So he said, well, I went to the grocery store, and I bought some nice, shiny, red, delicious apples, and I, and I taped them all up to the tree. Well, you know what's going to happen. The, the, the fruit's going to rot because it's, it's not connected to the tree in any way. He just tacked it on there. It looked good for a while, but it wasn't, it wasn't vital. It wasn't living. It wasn't, it wasn't connected to the, to the root, to the, to, the, to the tree itself. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. If we're not connected to him, if we're not united to him, then we're just dried up sticks ready to be thrown into the fire. We, we can have no life without ourselves. And, and if we're just going through the motions, if we're, just, uh, if we're just religious people, if we're not connected to Christ, if we, you know, you can, you can be a religious person and not be connected to Christ, well that's kind of like nailing apples to your tree. You know, it looks good on the outside, but there's no life there. So Jesus is talking about real spiritual vitality. So how does one, he keeps saying, abide in me, abide in me. How do we do that? How do we united to Christ? That's the question. Jesus said, Abide in me. Think about that. How do we abide in Christ? He tells us, and that means that word means to remain in him, to stay in him. J.C. Ryle says, he describes it this way, and I think this kind of answers the question. Abide in me, cling to me, stick fast to me, live the life of close and intimate communion with me, get nearer and nearer to me, roll every burden on me, cast your whole weight on me, never let go your hold on me for a moment. Be, as it were, rooted and planted in me. Do this and I will never fail you. I will ever abide in you. So that begs the question, are you united to the source of spiritual life? Do you have a relationship with the Lord? That's what we're talking about here. Do you know the Lord? If if someone is plugged into the source of life, it means you are coming to him. You're coming to him and, and you recognize that you, without... Him, you're dead. And you you have to have Christ or else you die. You have to know him. You have to to have an ongoing communion with him in order to be fruitful. You see, Jesus here says, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Abiding in Christ means you're, you're going to him and you're listening to him. And you're talking to him. You have a relationship with him. You're saying to him, Lord, I need you to tell me what to do, how to live. You're giving your life to him. See, we we uses those phrases, give your life to Jesus. Well, what does that mean, give your life to Jesus? Well, you put it in his hands. You say, not my will, but your will be done, as Jeff sang just a moment ago. We say, Lord... You know, when we do read the Bible, Lord, I'm listening to you, what would you have me do? What would you have me believe? How would you have me act? Because you can read the Bible. I've read the Bible for 309 days in a row. Because my app tells me I have, and I've, I've got such a nice streak going that I make sure I read it every day. But often I'm just reading it, you know. I'm just, and sometimes I'm not even reading it. My eyes are going across it. And I'll confess that's true. That's not what I'm talking about here. Just because we've ticked the box in my app, my Bible app, lets me tick, you know, there's a little check mark that comes up. And I'm like, yes, a check mark. And I'm feeling good about myself, but I have not really listened to the Lord. I saw a, a, a little blog post by Rosaria Butterfield, and some of you are familiar with her. But she was talking about how in the mornings uh, she uh, opens her Bible and she prays every time that she opens her Bible, so that, the Lord, that she would hear what the Lord has to say to her, that she, would, that she would come to God's Word with an open mind, an open heart, and a willingness to say, Lord, what would you have me do here? How would you have me live? How are you informing my life? That's what it means to abide in Christ, to come to him every day, and to have a real, vital, living relationship with him. Do you have that? Or are you just going through the motions, like I sometimes do in my Bible reading? Checking the box, I've done this, I've done that, feeling good about it, I've gone to church every Sunday. That's not a relationship. Luckily this morning, not luckily, but thankfully this morning, I uh, prayed that prayer before I read my daily Bible reading. Jeremiah 9 was the passage, and it says this, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh. Well, that about sums it up right there. You know, we might boast about who we know, you know uh, You all might go around boasting, well, yeah, I know Tim Horn, and that opens all kinds of doors for you, I'm sure. You probably don't do that. But you probably boast about someone famous, you know, or have some, you know, and it makes you look good that you know this person. Well, the Bible tells us, you know, we don't need to boast in ourselves, we don't need to boast in anything, not even any of the good things that we have, the wisdom that we have, the might or the riches But the most important thing that we boast about is that we know the Lord, that we know Him, that we have an ongoing, daily, living relationship with Him. And that last verse, the days are coming when I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh. And of course, this is the Old Testament. And what he's saying is, there were people who had gone through the rituals, they you know, did the sacrifices, they, they had the outward form of religion, but there was no living, vital relationship there. They were circumcised merely in their flesh. They hadn't been circumcised in their heart. They hadn't repented of sin. They hadn't turned to the Lord. They didn't know the Lord. And he sends Jeremiah to say, I'm concerned that you people don't know me. That's what I delight in. Not these rituals, I delight in that you have a relationship with me. Jesus is the source of life. if we don't if we're not if we don't have a relationship with him, we don't have it. We have nothing. We're sticks dried up and ready to be burned. Now he's saying this to the Thessalonians for a purpose. You know it's he starts this letter. it's one of the first ones. It's a little different. Than the others, and you wonder if Paul maybe is uh, formulating how he addresses the churches. But I think this one is very heartfelt in that he's so concerned about this young church and, and that they're surviving, that they're they're ongoing in their relationship with the Lord. And 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 I don't know all the reasons that were in Paul's mind and heart when he wrote this, but I speculate it's because he's reminding them of who they are. Who are you, Thessalonians? You are the church. That word "church" means uh, an assembly, uh, people who have gathered for a purpose. And they, you can use that, you know, in the day when they used that word. It was used by the Greeks. It wasn't necessarily a Christian word. It just meant a gathering of people for some particular purpose. Well, these people were gathered together because they were all in God, the Father, and in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were believers. They were united together in this body. It's who they were. And their life depended not on themselves. It didn't depend on their works. It didn't depend on anything else except the Lord. He is the source of their life. And the, the Jews who were coming after them, the, the other opponents of Christianity that would persecute them, They couldn't take that life away. As long as they were connected to the Lord, they had that spiritual life. The same is true for us. What can separate us from the love of Christ, Paul said? Famine, nakedness, sword, persecution, suffering, none of these things can separate us from the Lord. He is the source of our life. My concern for us today is that we know that life, that we know that relationship with the Lord, that we have a vital, living relationship with the Lord. Because even if you do have that, you know it's like any relationship. Sometimes the relationship can grow cold. We know that's true. You can Look at the book of Revelation. The first couple of chapters talks about, in one of the churches, the church of Ephesus, they lost their first love. I want to know, have we lost our first love? Do we, Have we gotten cold and we no longer listen to the Lord? We no longer speak to the Lord in prayer? Or maybe our reading of God's Word and our prayers to the Lord are just boxes we're checking off every day, every week, whenever we do it. it is our attendance at church... Is it uh, just something that we're in the habit of doing and we come along every week? Or are we coming to bring praise and worship to this great God who is the source of our life, to whom we owe everything? And we want to give our hearts to Him and our praise to Him and think about how great He is. That's why we're gathered here. That's what the Lord delights in. It's easy to get out of touch with that. In our busy lives, where we're constantly distracted by TV and telephones and and other things, but what's really important is that we're connected to the source of life. Now, just I'm gonna just gonna review the next two points quickly because I want you to see what happens when you're connected to the source of life. And we'll delve into this in the next coming week. But but you see the provision that's made there. What's flowing to us from the Lord? Grace and peace. That's what he wishes. Paul prays for them. You know, to the church at Thessalonians in the Lord, grace to you and peace. I'm, I'm wishing upon you, I'm praying for you to have grace and peace. And if you're connected to the source of life, then you have had to receive grace. And if you have received grace, then you will certainly receive peace. Now grace is God's favor. God's undeserved, unmerited favor. And what you're getting when you're coming to the Lord and you're connecting to Him is you're coming to a relationship with Him. And He delights in that. He loves you. He, he smiles at you. You have His favor. He blesses you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, Paul says in Ephesians 1. So we receive God's favor. We're on his good side through Christ. Not because of what we've done, but because of what he has done. And peace. And when the Bible talks about peace, it's not just talking about the absence of conflict, and that's the way we think about peace. But it's talking about something so much more positive. It's the concept of the Old Testament concept of shalom. When a person's life with God and with everything else is in ordered harmony physically, spiritually, all is well. Even in the midst of trials, all is well because you have this peace with God. Everything is right with the world. And you know you've got his favor. And if you're out of favor with the guy down the street or the culture at large, it doesn't matter because you've got the favor of the God of this universe who is forever and who gives life forever. So those are the provisions that flow to us from the Lord. And there's so much more because we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then it manifests itself in these ways that he talks about. He talks about in verse 3, your work of faith, labor of love, and the steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the fruit Jesus was talking about. If you abide in me, then you will provide fruit. You will show fruit and you so prove to be my disciples. Prove to show that you have this relationship with me. Faith, if you believe something, if you believe something is true, it affects the what you do. It affects the way that you act. And we can say we believe all kinds of things. We can stand up and say the Apostles' Creed all day long, but if it doesn't affect the way that we act and live our lives, then we don't really believe it. Are you producing fruit? The fruit of faith and love the labor of love, it, it's, uh, it's an intense word, labor. It's hard work. When you love someone or you love something, you'll go to great lengths on behalf of that person or that thing. You'll sacrifice a lot for it. And Paul saw that in the Thessalonians. He saw the spiritual life that's there, was manifest itself in, in love that wouldn't quit in the face of difficulty. And finally, that the endurance, the perseverance of hope, they knew they were working towards something not of this world, that there was something to come, that the Lord was going to be returning. You see that at the end of chapter 1. He's coming back, and that's what where their hope lies, and they know that then all things are going to be well. That was their hope, and so they pressed on, clinging to that hope, m- moving along day after day, plowing the field, not turning back. See, those are the things that are produced when you're connected to the source of life. When you're connected to Christ, those are the things that are produced in us. But the most important thing, the most vital thing, is to be connected to Christ, to abide in Him daily. Is He your best friend? He, he's the best friend that you'll ever have if you'll have it. There's no greater love than this that a man lays his life down for his friends. And that's what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, help us all to have a relationship with you. Lord, our, our, perhaps our love has grown cold and we're just going through the motions of a relationship and not really invested in it. Lord, help us to see how stupid we are how sinful that is, and how ungrateful we are for doing that to you. And Lord, perhaps there's some here today who, who don't have any kind of relationship with you, never never known what it was to, to have a real, living, vital relationship with you. Lord, I pray that they would call upon you today. They would, they would say, Lord, I don't deserve to be your friend, but you're offering to be my friend, and I want to be your friend. Lord, Lord, heal that relationship, reconcile me to you. I pray, Lord, that people would pray that prayer today and come to know you. And Father, we we pray that in so doing in our midst today that you would make us a, a church and people that just love you with an intense love and who want to share that relationship with others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.